so that we can read together the word of God. John, the gospel of John, chapter 20. We celebrated the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ together last week. We celebrated the fact that he has done everything necessary to reconcile us to God, to free us from condemnation. The Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, to free us from guilt, to free us from shame, and to give us that life from the age to come, eternal life, that he intended for us to have from the very beginning. Well, now this period from Easter until the last Sunday of May, which is Pentecost, is this whole time of, in which Jesus appeared numerous times to his disciples and continued to teach them, helping them to understand what had happened on the cross and what happened in the resurrection and exactly what it was going to mean in their lives. And so we're going to be focusing on that in these coming days. It is finished, remember, everything that needed to happen for us to be reconciled to God. It is finished. And now, in the words we're going to read today, we're going to see that we are sent, that he has a purpose A mission for us. He has a mission for you. And a purpose for you. His mission has now been handed off to us, he's going to say. It is our mission. And this mission is to bring peace. Is to bring reconciliation to our world. There's not a whole lot of peace in our world, is there? Not very much. You turn on the news, what do you see? You see Syria. You see Afghanistan. Maybe you see things from Palestine. You see things from different places in the world. Priscilla, from time to time, tells us about the strife and the terrorism that's a part of of Nigeria, her home country. There is a lot of destruction. But it's not just over the water somewhere in another country. It is in our lives as well. Marriages where there is no peace. Families where there is strife, not peace. Relationships, jobs, There is just a lot of discord in our world today. And in the scriptures that we're going to read today, Jesus is going to talk about giving us peace. I want you to understand, there are no politicians that are going to bring you peace. It does not matter which party you vote for in November, in regards to peace. Because politicians don't bring peace. They can't. Now, sometimes folks define peace as an absence of war. And so they talk about negotiations, and this one will be better at negotiations than that one, or something like that. 
but what they bring sometimes, but as you know, not very often, is an absence of war. But that's not peace. In the scriptures, when it's talking about peace, it's talking about about wholeness and completeness. Jesus talks about it and says he's going to give us joy. Joy is a whole lot different from absence of war, isn't it? He's going to give us not just joy, he's going to give us his joy, the joy of God, and fill our lives with that. He says that it will be in us like a spring, a well of water that springs up within us and overflows more than we can just even keep in ourselves. Abundant joy, abundant life, peace. And so, let us find out what is the source of peace. If politicians and government people and armies cannot bring peace, is there any hope for peace? Is there hope for peace in your relationships? Well, yes, there is. So let us read God's word. John chapter 20. Now you will see that this is just a continuation of the Easter story. It all happened on the the very same day as the resurrection. The disciples, Mary, they'd all been out to the tomb. They'd come back. Some of them didn't know quite what to think. But Mary told them, I have seen the Lord. And he is alive. It's hard for some of them to imagine. People in those days didn't expect dead people to be raised from the dead any more than you do. Sometimes we modern people, we kind of think, oh, well, we're a lot smarter than they used to be. They used to would have believed anything. They were so gullible. No, they weren't. They knew that dead people put in graves, stay in graves. So they found it, some of them found it, just as difficult to believe in the resurrection as people today sometimes do. But those who believed were changed forever. So let us read. We're going to begin reading at verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord because they hadn't been quite sure whether to believe what Mary told them or not. You know, she was really emotional. Maybe she had just gotten overwrought and overwhelmed with grief and now she was imagining and fantasizing about things. They weren't quite sure what to think about what she had to say. So when they saw him themselves, they were overjoyed. Can you imagine? I can't imagine what it would have been like. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. 
Have you ever been given a job, a task, that as you were listening to what you were going to have to do, you thought, I can't do that. I don't have the resources. I don't have the abilities. That is, that is just too demanding. I cannot do that. Well, what Jesus was saying to the disciples was that kind of a thing. He said, whoever you forgive is forgiven. Whoever sins you don't forgive, well, they're not forgiven. And the disciples, we've read about it in uh, earlier verses in the Gospels. The disciples, they knew only God can forgive sins. People don't forgive sins. We don't have the ability to go around forgiving sins. So what on earth is Jesus talking about? I can't forgive sins. Only God can. And that is correct. But here's what Jesus is telling them. But God is going to forgive sins. He's going to set people free from their condemnation and their guilt. He's going to do it through you. So Jesus said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. That is the key to the whole thing. Receive the Holy Spirit. And he breathed on them. Sounds kind of weird, doesn't it? Here you are, sitting around in a room, having a conversation, and all of a sudden someone goes around and starts breathing on everybody. Sounds bizarre to us, but it's not bizarre to them. And it won't be bizarre when you, when you understand a little bit of the, the, what's gone on in Scripture before this. Remember back there in Genesis chapter 2. It's the story, way at the very beginning of the Bible, the story of God creating the first human being. And this is what it says. The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being, a living soul. Life came to him. The life of God himself. That's what God intended for all of us. But we have everyone rebelled against him. We have all said, I will choose my own way. And in that choosing, in that insisting that we were going to do things our own way, our relationship with God was broken. We were alienated from God. We have everyone considered God to be an enemy, a controlling tyrant, or the judge who's going to let us have it one of these days. But Jesus said, oh, that's not who it is at all. And he says, receive the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about what that means. Who is this Holy Spirit? What's he doing? Receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus didn't tell them that just so they could have some new amazing spiritual experiences. Though, let me tell you, that is exactly what happened in their lives. You can read about it in the book of Acts, at least about some of it. 
in the book of Acts. He didn't say this just so they would become especially holy and super righteous mega saint kind of people. So living in the spirit, that is exactly the kind of transformation that took place in them. And they became a kind of people they could never have done all on their own. Jesus does tell us here in these verses why he wants them to be filled with the Spirit, to receive the Spirit. It's so that they would do in the world the very same kinds of things he had been doing there in Galilee and in Judea, but that they would take that same message of reconciliation with God and they would bring that truth to the world and people would be transformed and set free everywhere. Can you remember when it was that you were set free from your guilt and condemnation, when you were forgiven, when you, when your alienation and rebellion against God came to an end? And you found out and you experienced his love? Remember, remember how free you felt? God wants every person on the planet to experience the very same thing. God wants every person, everyone, to be reconciled to him. That's why we each one were put here, to be reconciled to him. And now he's telling them, I have a mission for you. You, now, you go, you are sent as the Father sent me, he says, so I am sending you. So receive the Holy Spirit, because you can't do it on your own. But he will do it in you and through you. And you'll be amazed if you were to be told today everything that the Holy Spirit's going to do in and through you, you'd say, I could never do that. Oh, that can't even happen. Of course it can't if it all depends on you. That's just the point. Jesus knows that's the, the, the truth. So he says, you're going to, to, to need something else. So receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus' message becomes their message. What was his message? His message was all about Everyone, the world, being reconciled to God. That the great rebellion would come to an end. That people would have peace with God. Paul wrote about it. We read those words earlier today. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are, therefore, Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. 
We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. A ministry of reconciliation. Now, some of you are thinking, well, I can't do that. I don't know enough, or I'm too shy, or I don't know what the reason is. You're saying, I can't do that. And that's the point. Receive the Holy Spirit. For the Holy Spirit in you will do things you had never thought would occur. Things that will amaze you. Things that will astonish you. This is what the Son of God came for. This is what Easter, the resurrection, this is what Christ's death on the cross is all about. It's about reconciliation. It is about peace. The only way for anyone to experience peace in this world is to have peace in their hearts, and that only comes from the ending of rebellion, from being reconciled to God. As long as we are struggling against the truth that God is sovereign, we will never have peace. And if we don't have peace in ourselves, that strife and discord, that struggle, it always comes out of us and affects our relationships with others as we try to control and try to fix and try to make things the way we want them. I don't know if you've noticed it yet or not, but your family doesn't want you to make things the way you want them. They want you to make things the way they want them. You do know that, don't you? And it's all because we don't have his peace. We're in rebellion. But Jesus came to end the rebellion so that we would give up our struggle and our fight for our own way. We would trust him and we would have his peace in our lives. Now, I want you to understand that peace with God does not just mean that we have a place to go in heaven when we die. Jesus did tell his disciples, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And I will come again and take you to be in that place. He talked about heaven. And that is certainly a piece of it. And isn't it a wonderful thing to know? Death has lost its sting. I do not need to fear death. I have no need to fear judgment. Because It has all been forgiven. That is a wonderful piece of of what Jesus accomplished on the cross, but that's just one piece of it. He provides something even greater. That's just a part of all that he gives to us. The end of the rebellion. Joy. Oneness. Community. With the sovereign creator, ruler of the cosmos. And those 
who are reconciled receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus had taught his disciples about the Holy Spirit. We're going to read some of those words. As Easter approached, we skipped over some of the chapters in John. So now we're going to go back and we're going to look and see what Jesus had to say in them. So turn back a few pages to John chapter 14, where he's telling them, even though they're not understanding it, he's telling them, this Holy Spirit is going to come. It is good for you that the Holy Spirit comes. It will be wonderful. They're not too sure about it. They're not too sure what he's even talking about. But we're going to read it together. John chapter 14, we're going to begin reading at verse 15, where he said, If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you before long. The world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me, will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and, and not to the world? Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him, and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. So here, as he starts talking about this Holy Spirit, he, he gives him a name. Now, this name that he gives to him is not a name that's easily translated into English. So it gets translated a number of different ways. So here, in this scripture that we read, in this translation, it calls him the Counselor. The Counselor. The Teacher. The one who imparts wisdom. Some of your Bibles that are a different translation use the word comforter. A comforter 
gives strength, gives solace. Some people say, oh, the things before me, they are so great. Oh, I cannot do this. I cannot bear this. Well, here's the truth that comes from the counselor, the comforter. You only have to live today. And today, you can live today. If you look at the whole thing and say, oh, these coming months, they are too great and too difficult. Well, yes, they may be. But today is not. And the counselor, the comforter is with you. And today, you can make it through today. Another translation is the word advocate. What's an advocate? He's an ally. He's a champion. He's the one who stands for you and stands with you. And he said, that's who this Holy Spirit is. Counselor, comforter, advocate. And he says he is the spirit of truth. Here is something you need to understand. You will never have peace until you accept the truth. Now, I know in our world today, there's a lot of controversy over what is truth. Can people even know, really, what is truth? That's not anything new. Remember what Pilate asked Jesus during his trial? Pilate asked, what is truth? Here's what truth is. Truth is what is really real. That's what is true. It's not just imaginary. It's what is really real. And the scripture, way back at the very beginning in chapter 1, do you remember when we started that last fall? That was a while back, wasn't it? It talked about the fact that the Creator became flesh, became a human being and lived among us and we beheld his glory full of grace and truth. You see, he's the creator. He's the one who made everything that is really real. He knows what is real. He knows what is true because he made it. And until we are willing to accept what is real, we will not have peace. We have rebelled against what is real. Because what is real is there is one sovereign, the Lord God Almighty, the Creator. And we have everyone said, I will be sovereign. I will be sovereign over as much as I possibly can. I will try to control my life. I'll try to control the people around me as much as I can get away with. But that is not real. You're not in control. You weren't made to be in control. God is in control. God is the one who is sovereign. And so, for us, 
We must accept the truth. Not live in some make-believe confusion that says, I'm going to do my best to control things and make life turn out the way I want it. I'm going to work hard at it. And I'm going to try to get everything all lined up. Here's my goals for this year, this year, this year, this year. I'm going to, I'm going to make it happen. Or I'm going to control my family. I'll get them to do what I want. I'll figure out a way to make it happen. So we live in what is not true, in what is a lie, thinking we can be sovereigns and be in control. And so we rebel against the truth. We rebel against the one who really is sovereign. And we'll only have peace when the rebellion is over. When we accept the truth, the way he really created things to be. Real reality. He says here, the world cannot accept him. Because the world refuses to accept the truth. Refuses to accept Reality as it is. The world is in rebellion and rejects the truth. But he says, you know him. And he will live in you because you have been reconciled to God. You are no longer in rebellion. And so you will have peace. He says, on the day you trust me and are reconciled, you will realize that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. A part of this unity, this community that that we know about God. God is love and we're a part of that. Now, here's something I want you to understand. There are a lot of people hear these words of Jesus like this and they say, oh, I don't know what that really means. So it must be some kind of spiritual language, some kind of allegorical thing, metaphorical something or other that is pointing to something else. And I want you to know, no, it's not. Jesus meant exactly what it says. He is in the Father. We are in Him. He is in us. And so He says, receive the Holy Spirit. He talks about God making His home in us. Yes, He means that very literally. There's no need for a temple in the the world anymore. Because God lives in you. You are the house of God. He has made his home in you if you have been reconciled to him. If you trust in him. He is in you and with you. And he will do in you and through you things, of course, that you could not do on your own. 
It's not you doing them. It is him if you trust him. If you will receive the Holy Spirit. And look at what Jesus says. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. That is the only place you will ever find it. As a gift from him. As you're reconciled. As you trust in him. So in these scriptures that we've read today, there there are a couple of commands. Things that we're told, do this. The first one is this. Be reconciled. I know that many of us here in this room have been reconciled to God. But if you have not been, I just want to tell you, be reconciled to God. That's where truth is. That's real reality. That's where you will find peace. And God himself will make his home in you. That brings us to the second thing we're told to do. And it is this. Receive the Holy Spirit. Now I know that for some of you this doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You say, okay, I see it's in the Bible. I see it's there. I don't understand. I didn't either for a long time. Because it's so different from our life of rebellion. It's so different from the way we've lived. And, and that way, remember, the world can't receive him. And so we're confused and we're, our minds are in darkness and we can hear the words, but we say, I don't know what that means. So here's what I want to encourage you to do, if that's where you are today. I want to encourage you to pray and tell God, This doesn't make sense to me. I don't understand. But I've been reconciled to you, so I trust you. So I'm ready to receive your spirit. So teach me. Do what you need to do. You just work in my life. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm just ready to receive your spirit. You help me. You put me you do whatever needs to be done, so I am, I am able to be your home, to receive your spirit. And Jesus says to his disciples, when you have allowed the spirit of the sovereign God to live in and through you, Then as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. You are going to change the world. You may never get your name in some history book, but that does not mean you're not going to change the world because the Spirit of God in you is going to bring reconciliation, this message of reconciliation, to other people. You say, oh, I don't know enough about the Bible. Oh, I'm too shy. Oh, I don't talk about religion. I don't. 
when you have received the Holy Spirit, you are able to do things you aren't able to do otherwise. And he's going to change the world. You know what? A lot of those people that are in those history books you had to read when you were in high school, they're not in there because they knew about peace, are they? They're in there because they knew about war and destruction and control and dominating other people. That's why they're in the books. I'm not sure why we study about all of the people who, who follow the Great Rebellion instead of studying about the people who have found peace. So you're probably not going to ever be in a history book, but you're going to change the world because the Spirit of God through you is going to bring about reconciliation for people if you will receive his spirit. So let us bow our heads. I do not know how the spirit of God has spoken to you today as we have, have considered the words of Jesus to his disciples. But you talk to him about that. Ask him to teach you. Ask him to help you to understand what, what he meant, what he was telling them. If you haven't been reconciled to him yet, I want you to know, God is love. You are absolutely safe if you will trust him. Be reconciled to God. You can talk to him right now. And be reconciled to him. If you have been reconciled to him, then I urge you, as Jesus did his disciples, receive his spirit. If that doesn't make sense, just tell him so. It's not going to surprise him. Ask him to teach you and transform you. For you long to be his home. Our Father, you are so gracious to us. You have forgiven us. You have freed us from guilt. You have delivered us from shame and condemnation. And you have adopted us into your family all through Jesus Christ, your Son, who gave himself for us because he loves us. And you not only desire for us to experience that and be reconciled, but you desire us to become your home, to receive your spirit. I pray, Father, that we every one would receive your spirit and understand what that means and be transformed so that you can do things through us that we know we never could have done ourselves. We are yours. You are sovereign. Work through us, we pray, as you will. Amen.